You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoya of the Denver Gazette, and my good friend, Nick Ferguson. Nick, the Broncos have beaten the San Francisco 49ers. We're here reacting to it. Um, Nick, 11 to 10, ugly, ugly offensive game. If you like offensive football, it was an ugly football game. But if you like defensive football like yourself, Nick, it was a beautiful football game. Uh, Big, big win for the Broncos. Doesn't matter. I thought Nathaniel Hackett said it perfect after the game. Doesn't matter if it's by one point, a hundred points, a win is a win, right, Nick? Yeah, it, it is a win. And here's what what I wanted to, to really uh, break this down. When you look at Seattle, uh, look at San Francisco. I'm talking about Seattle. You look at San Francisco 49ers, their first two opponents, Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks. The Broncos' first two opponents, the Seattle Seahawks and the Houston Texans. So this game was pretty much big for both organizations as somewhat of a litmus test as, as to where they are at this particular point. As you stated, it was an ugly game. And if you love offense, and I know that, George, you love offense, you love touchdowns. So you were miserable watching this game. But me, I love every moment of it. The, the defensive back and forth, Jura Evero versus my old former teammate, D'Amico Ryans on the defensive side for the 49ers. Which team is going to show up? Which team is going to make the plays that they needed to make? And the Broncos defense made those plays. Yeah, I mean, the if you like the Big Ten, then you probably liked this game a lot, right? <laughs> uh, it was it was like watching a Big Ten football game. I think the Broncos had uh, 13 first downs. 49ers had 14. Um, I think I think the Broncos like had 14 possessions and 10 of them were three and outs, which is just really bad. Like you're, you're like not even moving the ball at all. Uh, but the Broncos get it done. They force three turnovers. They get a safety, uh, which was just a baffling play by Jimmy Garoppolo. He was honestly really bad for the 49ers. I thought he missed a lot of plays, uh, but the Broncos get it done. And, and Nick, I think that, you know, you and I talked about it. These, these last two weeks, or I guess this last week and this week coming up, are two really big games, right? Uh, after you know, really struggling in the first two games in, in Seattle, and then obviously with the Texans, you know, winning these 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 two games against the 49ers, and now they go to a Raiders team that's 0 and three, and we'll dive into that later in the week. But that was a really big win, and and I get it. People are probably frustrated with the offense and and uh, their struggles, but when they needed a drive, they got it right. Russell Wilson went down the field, used his legs, he kind of took over the game. Uh, and got them in the end zone finally. Nick, do you think that despite all the offensive ineptitude last night, should Broncos country still be excited about this football team and about this win specifically? Yeah, uh, uh, there's yes and no, right? So so here's a yes. Hey, at the end of the day, 
We got the W. It wasn't exactly the way that anyone had drew it up, but uh, you emerged victorious. But yeah, still was a little of, mm, I'm not really sure about this offense and the scheme and the play caller because, I mean, let's be totally honest. Uh, I think you said uh, nine, 10, uh, three and outs. You, you can't really do that a lot here in the NFL. And let's talk about it. I mean, it's self-inflicting wounds. Once again, not as many penalties as we've seen in the first two games, but still, you know, like that drive right before halftime when defense gave the ball back, I thought that set up perfectly for Brandon McManus' uh, field goal, but they were taken out of field goal range. You had the false start by Jerry Judy. Colin Sutton dropped the ball. I think it was Javante Williams dropped the ball, and then it was a holding on Garrett Bowles, and then it was a sack on Russell Wilson, took them out of field goal range. These are the types of things that constantly frustrates fans. And once again, did we hear the boo birds? <laughs> yes, we did. But it wasn't as much as it was uh, against the Houston Texans. But that level of frustration is coming out because the expectations for Russell Wilson, this team, and the, the talented players they have on offense. So that's still a part of the game that they definitely need to get together. But at the end of the day, are we celebrating a, a win here in Broncos country? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, look, the offense is an issue, right? Like the, the way that they not, they're not going to win many games like they did on Sunday night. Uh, you know, not you can't count on the defense getting three turnovers and a safety uh, in one game, right? And so I think that they need to figure that out. And and I don't know what exactly the problem is. I think part of it maybe is play calling. I think part of it is maybe Russell Wilson is just off to start the year. I think there's a lot of meshing going on that maybe we didn't account for, right? I think a lot of us just had super high expectations and expected them to come out and play really good football from the start, and that's just not the case. And and you think back, Nick, you know, I wasn't here, but I know when Peyton Manning first got here, it took him several games to get going. And I wonder if, if this is a similar scenario where it's going to take Russell – you know, maybe half the season or, or a little under half the season to really get this offense going and to really start meshing with these guys. But Nick, we have seen though, in every game, glimpses of an elite quarterback and elite offense uh, in the fourth quarter. I mean, when they've needed a drive, they've gone and gotten it. I mean, you even look back at the Seattle game. I know that they ended up losing that game and they had kicked, you know, the long field goal, but they moved the ball uh, there in the third and fourth quarter. Uh, to win that football game, and they just couldn't finish. And then you look at the Texans game, they're trailing. They have to go down and they score. They score 10 points in the fourth quarter to win that game. And then last night, they they, could, they couldn't move the ball for 50 minutes, and then all of a sudden they go on a 12-play, 80-yard drive. Russell Wilson finds Kimmel Hinton on the third and 10. He scrambles for 12 yards on the next third down. Then he finds Sutton. They get down to the five, and finally Melvin Gordon gets in. Do you, do you see – you know, Russell said after the game, he said, we're close we have a chance to be really, really good on offense. Do you see that, Nick, after watching last night's game? And I know we, we haven't gone back and rewatched the game yet, but do you see them as really close or do they still have a ways to go? Yeah, I see them uh, being very close. And I think this is why the fan base is really frustrated because just like you said, they have moments where drives stall. And then in the fourth quarter when they need it the most, now they have this drive, they're very successful. And it's like, wait, where was this? for the first 48 minutes of, of the game. And I, I don't want to make this comparison, but what it seems like, remember when Tim Tebow was a quarterback for the Denver Broncos and all of a sudden, you know, he wouldn't do anything for, you know, the 48 minutes of the game. And then all of a sudden there was this one play then he, he scrambles out and he makes a great throw to Maris Thomas. And it's like, wow, Tim Tebow is the greatest. 
So, so that is what we are fighting with here in Broncos country when we look at this team because we see the talent. We know how talented this team is. And the idea was that, hey, you have talent on your roster. You put Russell Wilson in that mix. Automatically, it puts them in a different stratosphere. But it's not coming along as quickly as everyone would like. But I'd be remiss if I didn't remember this, uh, remind you of this particular point. Last night during the telecast, Chris Collinsworth kept saying it over and over throughout the, the telecast. He kept talking about Aaron Rodgers being in the same position when Matt LaFleur first arrived at Green Bay, how he was having his issues. And then all of a sudden, it was at one point he started to hit his stride. So that's the way that I am looking at it. Maybe that's kind of one of the issues that are taking place. But those moments that we see in the fourth quarter, we just need to see more of that consistency throughout the game. Yeah, and and I think eventually they'll they'll turn it around, Nick. I, I do. I, I trust that um, you know Russell is still a really quality quarterback, right? I mean, I, I don't know if he's a top five quarterback. At least we haven't seen that yet this season. But I do think he he's obviously the best quarterback they've had since Peyton Manning. So I, I think eventually he's going to figure it out. I think Nathaniel Hackett's you know uh, going to take some time, right? As a new head coach, we've talked a lot about him. I think the positive that you walk away from that game is saying, well, at least there was no delay of games. There was no mismanagement of the timeouts. Like it was, it was a very clean football game from that aspect. He was 0 for 2 on challenges, even though I thought both challenges were good challenges. I thought they could go the Broncos way. Um, but I, I think that that's what you need to walk away as a Broncos fan and say, hey, well, look, at least the offense got it done when they absolutely had to get it done. And I think that if they can ever put it together for four quarters, this can be a really good football team because – and Nick, I, I want to dive into a little bit of the defense, and I know we'll talk about it more tomorrow, but the defense was just outstanding tonight. Um, this, this, They had a, a six-play, 75-yard touchdown drive the 49ers did. After that, this was the uh, 49ers' drives. Punt, 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 end of half, fumble, safety, punt, field goal, punt, interception, fumble. That's, that's elite defensive play. And I know Jimmy Garoppolo was not great, but that's, that's really, really impressive, isn't it, Nick? Well, you know, it is impressive. As I sit, sit here and listen to you recap that, it sounded like, a, you know, a Madden game that I played back in the day when I would play uh, Madden football and how things look like look for me offensively. And when you hear that, the first thing that jumps out is like how dominating a performance that was by the Broncos defense. And that tells you, Azura Evero, I mean, hey, it, is he the right guy for the job? A- absolutely. And looking at how he put guys on the field, there was something I, I, a personnel grouping that I saw during training camp. And I, I told uh, Draymond Jones and Bradley Chubb how much I, I loved it. And I, I don't know what they call it, but I call it the NASCAR package. You saw one time you had both uh, Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb on the same defensive side. So th- th- this is kind of the evolution of this defense. Those guys went out there. And they, they played well. They knew that they were going to be in somewhat of a dogfight with the San Francisco 49ers because Jimmy's coming back, making his first official start. Kyle Shanahan wants to establish the run, and they play great defense on their side of the ball. So this was a great Sunday night matchup that it played out well for the Denver Broncos, but you, you had to love it if you love defense. Yeah, I mean, and they got a big boost, right? Josie Jewell back. Um, I thought he played phenomenal at inside linebacker, nine tackles to lead the team, two tackles for loss, a sack, and a fumble recovery, which, by the way, this this stat, I looked it up this morning, Nick, is incredible for this Broncos defense. Last season in 17 games, they forced six fumbles, only six. 
This year, through three games, they've already forced six fumbles. So uh, there's like clearly been an emphasis, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball to, to get the ball out and, and obviously force those turnovers. And, and those came up big. And uh, post game, Nathaniel Hackett uh, in the locker room, you know, gave a game ball, I think, to the entire defense, um, you know, talked about how, hey, it doesn't matter how you win as long as you win. Um, you know, that's what matters in this league. And, and we have the audio from Broncos.com um, of that postgame speech. We said we knew it was going to be a dogfight. We played smart. We played together. We played for each other. That was a thing of beauty. I don't care what anybody said. You get one more point than the other team, that's a dog. And that was a defense. The whole defense is going to get game ball. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's an honor to be right here in front of y'all. Cause that out there, watching everybody stay together, no matter what, hey, that's a powerful thing. Together, whatever it takes, man. That's where the battle. We knew it was gonna be a battle all the way to the fourth. We got it done. We got it done. We got it done together, man. I love you, boys, man. That's what I always believe. Always believe. Let's go, man. Let's go, Broncos on three. One, two, three. Broncos. Nick, it feels like, and and you know, I was in the locker room post game and and listened to some of the guys on the podium afterwards, but. Can you just speak to what can a win like that, you know, over a really quality opponent uh, in prime time, what can that do for a football team early in a season? I know it's early. It's only the third game of the year. But what can that do momentum wise for a football team? Because it really feels like maybe that could be a turning point for this team. Yeah, George, that, it can absolutely be a turning point for the Broncos, not just on the defensive side of the ball, but offense as well as they continue to work out the Kings and figure out uh, their, their struggles and the miscues. But, yeah, th this this is the type of win that you, you look at and, and you say, okay, well, this is when our season actually changed, right? We, we have some injuries. We haven't played our best uh, ball as a team on a collective, but we're still able to get a, a win. And, and, and once again, this is why you hear so many players talk about Randy Gregory talked about it after the game as well, that there's so much belief in this team and individuals in the coaching staff because they're able to win these ugly type of games. And, and you're right. They're not going to have too many games this year where they're going to be able to win this way, but winning this way on Sunday night football against a playoff caliber team, it definitely instills a lot of confidence in these players where they can continue to believe in one another. Yeah. And look, I, I think that you have to continue to remind yourself that it's a 17 game season and that wins like this, at the end of the season are going to help you. You know how to gut out a close win over a good football team. And I know the Texans and Seahawks are not good football teams. At least they don't look like good football teams right now. But the 49ers are a proven good football team. That's a veteran team. That's a team that has gone all the way to the Super Bowl, right? Uh, they went to the NFC Championship last year. So to get a, a one-point victory, uh, it, it doesn't matter, right? Like, it doesn't matter how it happened. You got it done. And a lot of people didn't think that you would after what happened the first two weeks. So I, I think that this this could be huge for them. And, and now you go into the division, you know, facing a Raiders team that's really struggling, that's going to have its, its back against the wall, right? And, and teams play great when their back is against the wall. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Broncos can carry this momentum uh, and beat really a desperate Raiders team this next Sunday. And, and we'll dive into that later in the week. And Nick, let's take a quick break uh, and then we'll jump into a little bit more of the specifics of this game, uh, especially on the offensive side of the football. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and, Nick, let's dive into this Broncos offense and specifically the running game. Um, I felt like they, they ran the ball effectively last night. I felt like they ran the ball, honestly, in every game pretty effectively, uh, you know, through three games now. I, I can't remember what was the exact rushing totals they had. I think 101. Is that right? 101. Uh, Javante Williams, 15 carries, 58 yards. Melvin Gordon, 12 carries, 26 yards. Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, six carries, 17 yards. So um, I think that, Nick, the, the the problem, though, for the Broncos is a lot of people still want Javante Williams being the featured guy. And so far, it's been pretty split. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the exact carries off the top of my head, uh, but I believe it, it's pretty close to being even. Yeah, here it says uh, 32 carries for Melvin Gordon this year, uh, 37 for Javante Williams. So, I mean, it's a five five you know, carry difference. Uh, Nick, what do you take away from that? Uh, do you think Javante should be getting more carries? I know Melvin got the the lone touchdown, but um, what's been your takeaway from the running game? Basically, I mean, Javante is your bell cow back at this moment. And this offensive line definitely excels more when they're able to set the tempo by, you know, flashing out and being an aggressor on the defense and the, on the defenders and we saw a little of that, uh, you know, last night. I, I wanted to see a little more, but I understand uh, your offense need to have balance and you just can't run it on every single play. So when it comes to the whole Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams uh, debate, I still feel, once again, this is a long season, George. You're going to need both backs. But I think the biggest concern and the uh, biggest concern that I've seen on social media and talking to some Broncos fans is just uh, the drops. Uh, either it's the drops out of the backfield by Melvin, but more importantly, putting the ball on the on the turf. And there was one time the Broncos were backed up. Melvin was trying to fight for those, uh, you know, those uh, one or two extra yards, and a Tredavious Ward punched the ball out. And luckily, you know, Russell had the presence of mind to jump on the ball because that could have been a difference in the game. And every time Melvin is back there, it's almost like. Remember when everyone used to hold their breath for, you know, on every single play with Garrett Bowles, they didn't know if it was going to be a penalty or not. It seems as though that's what's happening uh, with, with Melvin and the fumbles. And I, I get his point. I mean, he knows that he is, you know, maybe in the twilight year of his career. Now he's being put in that second position at RB2 
position and he's trying to fight for every single yard. And usually the defensively, when we see a guy trying to do that, we're coming in and trying to punch and rip at the ball. So for Melvin, he has to understand this is what defenders are going to see in him because that's what's on the scouting report. Hey, this guy fumbles the ball because once he gets in the pile, he carries it loose from his body. So he's going to have to make a concerted effort uh, throughout the season to hold that ball closer to his body when he gets in the pile. Yeah, I mean, the, the issue with Melvin, and you're right, Nick, I think everybody was thinking towards the end of that game, um, almost why is he in the game? Because we've seen, I mean, last year, the, the fumbles that he had that cost them, right? I think he had, uh, didn't he have two that were returned for like 80-yard touchdowns? Um, and could you imagine if that had happened oh boy. last night? Um, you know, so I think that that's what's going through everyone's head, right? Is it, like, why are you not running Javante, who also, Javante was averaging nearly four yards a carry last night. I mean, he was, he was, he was running the ball well. Um, and I feel like he's run the ball better throughout the season. So it's interesting that the carries are still really close to being split. And I wonder if that continues to be the case going forward, because last night Melvin just didn't have his best game. Again, he got into the end zone and he does have a nose for the end zone when he gets down there. He's really good at that. Uh, but I think that Javante just is just a better running back right now. And it may be something to do with maybe pass protection at times, you know, on third downs, it seems like Melvin gets in on maybe third and longs occasionally. Um, you know, we saw quite a bit of Mike Boone last night um, as well in those situations. So it's going to be interesting to see what this this running back room looks like. And Nick, I want to get your thoughts. This is what Melvin Gordon said after the game uh, in the locker room. He said, that's where I have to be better. I know I'm getting less of a role. And because of that, I'm trying so hard to make something happen to show them I shouldn't have less of a role. The ball got away from me and I'm a little ticked about it. I work so hard on that stuff every day, but at the end of the day, we got the dub, so it's all good. What's your reaction to that, especially where he says, I know I'm getting less of a role? Well, I can understand that being a guy that, that's been in that position before. And because you, you see your reps start to be reduced in games and in practice, you just feel as though on every single play, you have to make somewhat of an impact. But to me, it's well, less is more in this case, right? He understands, hey, once again, they're punching the ball out. I put the ball on the turf. If you continue to do that, I mean, now you're going to find yourself moving from RB2 to RB3, where you, you, you're having your role actually reduce even more. So for him, he has to understand pretty much where he is. But here's the question I have for you. You know, that long touchdown was given to, and the ball was handed off to Melvin Gordon when he rushed it in off the left-hand side. Do you think that that was kind of the coaching staff understanding the woes of Melvin Gordon and maybe trying to pick him up and give him that opportunity to build, rebuild his confidence by giving that touchdown? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that was part of it. And I think it's also, I mean, again, Melvin is, is just really good around the end zone, right? I mean, like he's shown in his career that you get the ball inside the five, he's going to find a way typically to get inside the end zone. So I, I think that it, they were both of those things. And, and, I think part of the issue is like this coaching staff, you know, they brought back Melvin Gordon. And so I feel like they have like some sort of responsibility to make him be involved in this offense. And and that's no slight on Melvin. I think that he should be in some capacity, but at the end of the day, Nick, like Javante Williams is the future. And, and I think we can all see it. Like this guy is a difference maker every time he touches the football 
And I, I just I just don't understand why he's not getting, you know, 20 carries a game and Melvin's getting, you know, eight to 10. Right. And, and I think you pick your spots on where those carries come at. Right. Like if Javante's, you know, needing a breather, obviously sub them in and out. But Javante should be the guy that is getting, you know, the majority of these carries. And it just I, I don't know. I, I, I'm confused by it. I also just think sometimes the play calling with the running game, it, it just kind of disappears. I don't know if you thought about that last night, but like. There's nothing working in the passing game most of the game. And it felt like they were getting four, five, six yards a pop in the run game. I don't know why they didn't just stick with that. Well, let's talk about uh, expand on this run game with Javante and, and Melvin. The, the reason why you're seeing Melvin get a couple carries because he still is a decent back. The, the, the fumbles are concerned, but he can resolve that by making sure he keeps the ball high and tight and close to his body. But, I mean – Everyone wants Javante to go out there and get 40 carries a game. That That's not today's NFL anymore. And if you do, now you expose him to long-term injury. I mean, you, you said it yourself. I mean, he is the future at the running back position. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So at some point, you're going to have to relieve him, whether it's Gordon or it's Mike Boone. But Mike Boone only comes in on those third-down situations. And when he comes in, he rarely gets any touches. So for me right now, this is just where the Broncos are right now. They just have to find a way to work uh, in tandem with one of those guys, just tell and remind Melvin on every single possession, even, even though I know it is painstaking, but you may have to do this and let him know, hey, listen, man, we're going to give the ball to you, right? We know that the, the, the scouting report is out on you. So you just have to be great as far as making sure you have ball security because without that ball security, I mean, there's no job security for you. But th this is a long season. They're going to have to rely on both backs. But you, you said something in there that's really true about this Broncos offense. Yeah, the running game was on was on, on Sunday. You want to lean on it more. But where are the bootlegs? Where are the tight ends getting involved down the seam? We're not really seeing somewhat of a creative passing game type of uh, threat down the field. And that's something that, uh, opposing defense will pick up on and try to exploit. Yeah. And, you know, I, I saw a stat this morning that uh, of the 22 plays that Alberto was in the game, uh, all 22 were pass plays, Nick. And if you don't think defenses are going to pick up on that, that they know when 85 is in the game, they're going to throw the ball. I mean, you're kidding yourself, right? I mean, it, teams are going to pick up on what this offense can't do. And right now uh, it, it's, you know, complete passes down the field. Uh, which is which is not good, right? And I think they were close on a couple. I know the Jerry Judy long pass was was really close to being a completion. Um, you know they had a couple others that were just just near misses. Um, but I, I am concerned about the tight end room, and, and I want to dive into that later this week. Uh, I, I just don't know if they have playmakers in there right now. It just doesn't seem like any of those guys are making you know the the type of plays down the field that you expect them to. But one guy. Nick, that continues to be um, maybe the best player that this team has on offense right now is Cortland Sutton. Um, you know, he is, again, spectacular last night. Um, I believe it was seven receptions, uh, actually eight receptions for 97 yards. Uh, he's currently on pace, Nick. Uh, he's averaging 97 yards per game. He's on pace to have 1,600 yards this season, which should obviously be a career high for him and, and one of the best in the league. He currently ranks fifth in the NFL in receiving yards at 291. What impresses you so much about Cortland Sutton? He just continues to find ways 
to not only get open, but make competitive catches, especially in the biggest of moments of games? Well, the biggest thing for me, especially from a guy who's come, who's had uh, two knee surgeries is seeing how he is bounced back from that knee surgery because last season he wasn't himself. He had that brace on his leg. You could tell that it was uh, hindering his movement and he was a little frustrated with it. I know I was when I had the brace on my leg, but right now he's taking the brace off. It's almost like a new key on life. And this is kind of a a special year for Corlin Sutton with Tim Patrick being out because now he's become that go-to receiver for Russell Wilson in tight situations. No matter whatever it is, it's a third down, it's a second down, he needs to make a big throw, and he needs someone to have a big catch. Corlin Sutton is now becoming his uh, safety blanket. So that's not a bad thing as far as that chemistry between those two. But if you are watching the Broncos on tape, you are definitely watching where Corlin Sutton aligns, how often and what position that he's in when Russell is throwing him the ball. So now you have to get other guys involved and bring them along. And that brings us back to the tight ends. When will those guys be involved? How will those guys be involved? Are they waiting for Greg Dosage to come back? I don't know. And the idea that every time Abadoka Webunam is in, it is a pass play because you really don't see him in on um, blocking situation that, that much because he still really hasn't improved the way he needs to improve. But that relationship between Corlin and Russell, man, it's a thing of beauty. And I hope that they still keep Corlin on this pace so he can end the season with 1,600 yards. Yeah, I mean, he's having a great year. Um, but like you said, Nick, they're going to need other guys to step up at some point, right? Uh, eventually, teams are going to key in on Cortland uh, and try and prevent him from from making those plays. And, and you're going to need Jerry Judy, who I, I don't think is 100%. Um, I thought that was kind of clear yesterday. He had a couple drops. Um, just didn't look like himself. I think he was also on maybe a limited snap count. He wasn't out there all the time. Uh, KJ Hamler didn't have a single target. Uh, I think he was also on a snap count last night. Uh, Kendall Hinton comes up with maybe the biggest grab of the game, right, uh, on that third and 10. Um, so they're going to need guys to step up. And, and again, I'm really interested to see what that tight end room, um, you know, ends up doing this season. If Greg Dulcich can maybe give them a little bit of a boost. Um, but Nick, quickly, I, I want to ask you about Russell Wilson. Uh, he was, uh, let me look up his stats really quick, but he, he was 20 of 33, 184 yards, uh, no interceptions, no touchdowns, 75.8 rating. Are you concerned at all about Russell? Um, obviously he's, he's the guy leading this offense. Um, but he just hasn't looked like himself. Uh, and maybe that's a product, like we said earlier, that they're still trying to learn each other. Um, and he says they're really close, but are you concerned specifically about Russell, and what did you see from his game last night? Yeah, I am a, a little because this is based on uh, our expectations coming into the season and what we've seen of Russell uh, in the past. I know he's learning a different, uh, I guess, scheme, and it's very difficult. I remember the great Peyton Manning when he came here. He had to learn Gary Kubiak's scheme, and he struggled himself. So if I am Nathaniel Hackett, I'm going to go back and grab a couple of things that Russell was successful at with, with the Seattle Seahawks and implement that into my scheme, change the verbiage, of course. But the idea as an offensive coordinator is that you want to set up your quarterback to be successful and create those matchups. And, you know, there were some moments where Russell overthrew, I think, uh, Eric Salbert one time. And then on the third down, a critical third down, he uh, threw the ball a little uh, too high for, for Jerry Judy. So you're going to have a couple of those misfires. You can't really have them that often 
as we start to get down in the back half of, of the season. But that is a slight concern for me. And I would like to see both Russell and Nathaniel Hackett improve on that by having more conversations, but more importantly, put more things in the offensive scheme that makes uh, Russell comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I would definitely say I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. I don't think he's looked like himself. Um, you know, I think that he needs to get, you know, out of the pocket a little bit more, uh, use his legs like he did on that one drive. Like we saw how good he can be uh, when he scrambles outside the pocket or scrambles for a first down. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see um, how they use him moving forward. If, if maybe this sparks something, because again, we've seen glimpses of it in, in late in games, right? Uh, now they just have to put it, get, put it together for a full game. Nick, we'll dive more into Russell Wilson a little bit in the last segment, but also later this week. Uh, We do have a new fun segment coming up for our last one here, Nick, but let's take a quick break and then we'll dive into that. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break. And uh, Nick, we have a new segment uh, called Oh Really that you wanted to uh, do. And so how about you tell the listeners uh, what this segment's all about? All right, basically what we're going to do with Oh Really new segment here is, you know, throughout games and throughout the season, there are going to be some great moments that happen with the team and there are going to be some ones that we don't really like as much. So this is an opportunity for us and the fans to really talk about their Oh Really moments. Also, you can hashtag that, that out to both George and I anytime you're watching the game or anything that's going on around your family. So, George, I'm going to kick things off with my uh, oh, really moment. How about Nick Bosa tripping Russell Wilson? And the officials looked at the call, but they didn't really give the call to the Broncos. Oh, really? How could you not do that? It was clear that everyone could see it, that he felt as though he's going to miss the sack. So he just put his leg out there, stuck it out there, with the intent to trip Russell Wilson. What are your thoughts on that? I thought there were several missed calls last night, Nick. Uh, that one being the biggest one, but I think there was a play, I want to say right after that, or maybe a couple plays later, that Bosa hit Wilson, I believe, right in the helmet or in the face. Yeah, uh, and didn't call anything either. And the way that the NFL has been calling um, those sort of penalties, I thought for sure that that would be one. And tripping – by rule, that was the definition of tripping. Like, if you were to look up uh, a, a video of what tripping is, <laughs> it would be what Nick Bosa did to Russell Wilson. I was so confused why they picked that flag up. They said incidental, but it was, I, I just, 
I don't know. I was I was baffled by that. And then I also thought, like I said earlier, I thought the challenges, I thought those were going going to go the Broncos' way on both of them. I thought the ball hit the line on the touchback, uh, and then the other one was uh, what was the other one? I think it was. Uh, I well, 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 okay. I I got another. Oh, really? And I think this is probably where you're going. So first touchdown by the San Francisco 49ers that should have been wiped off the board, but it wasn't. Yes. Raymond you gets the touchdown, but Debo Samuel runs an illegal pick. It's yeah. like, dude, oh, really? We all saw that take place, but how could you not call that an illegal pick? Because the idea is that the way you set it up, you need to run to the outside shoulder, inside shoulder, depending on where the receiver is, and then make it seem as though you're trying to get vertical. But that's not what Debo Samuel did. He just ran out there with both hands extended, and grab Kareem like he was actually blocking on that particular play. So that was the one play that I can't see, and I don't understand how the officials allowed that one to go. Yeah, and the, the other one that I was thinking of, the challenge, uh, was the one where Russell dove for the first down or reached out the ball. Um, I don't know if he got the first down, but the the, the ball placement was definitely wrong. I mean, they, they marked it a half yard short. I mean, it wasn't even close. I thought the spot was bad. But, Nick, my O'Reilly – is sort of a 49ers one. I guess you could also say it's a Broncos one, but Jimmy Garoppolo stepping out of bounds uh, is an, oh, really, Jimmy G? Are you kidding me? Uh, that, was, that was really bad awareness from obviously Jimmy, but, you know, credit the Broncos defense. Mike Purcell and Randy Gregory were the guys uh, obviously, you know, uh, pushing him back there, getting the pressure. Uh, and really, Jimmy G, he got away with one because – if he doesn't step out of bounds, it's a pick six to Bradley Chubb. Nick, what was your thoughts on, on that play? Because it was such a bad play. I mean, how many times do you see a safety and a pick six on, on the same play? Uh, and and what were your thoughts on that and just the Broncos? I mean, it ended up costing the 49ers the game, if you think about it. Obviously, they lost by one, and that was two points. Well, I'm sure uh, Kyle Shanahan was saying, oh, really, himself. But one guy who was definitely celebrating was Dan Orlowski, because now yeah. – he can pass his on to Jimmy and he doesn't have to live down the fact that he broke that was bootleg out of the end zone versus the Minnesota Vikings. But Mike Purcell, those guys did a great job. And listen, I, I get it. Uh, Jimmy was under duress. He was trying to buy more time to kind of make that out pass to uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. But how about Bradley Chubb, man, showing that athleticism. So he gets an oh, really for me, because that was an exceptional play by Bradley Chubb to, to, not only intercept the ball, but find himself in the end zone, but he didn't really get uh, that credit on the stat sheet. So, but kudos to him. Nick, do you have any other O'Reilly's? Because I, I have one more, uh, if you have one more. No, no, go right ahead. Give me your O'Reilly. Uh, this one's a good one. This is a good O'Reilly. P.J. Locke coming up with, I thought, maybe the biggest play of the game there at the end. I, I don't know if the 49ers go down. They haven't been able to move the ball all game. But it speaks to... Like I said earlier, this defense, uh, you know, having an emphasis on getting the ball out. And so, oh, really, to P.J. Locke, because I felt like that was a magnificent play coming up behind Wilson uh, and punching that ball out. And then obviously Kareem Jackson recovers it to seal the game. Uh, but I've been thoroughly impressed by both P.J. Locke and Caden Stearns. Justin Simmons being out is obviously a huge loss. But both those guys have come up, have come up really big for this Broncos team. And, and that's. I think a really good, oh, really, uh, maybe P.J. Locke and, and Caden Stern should continue to get more time on this football team 
uh, even when Justin Simmons returns. I don't know where that is, but I, I thought both guys played great. <laughs> you know, the next time we are at practice and I see either Jero Evero or George Payton, I'm going to put my hands on my hips and all I'm going to just stand and say, oh, really? Right? <laughs> <laughs> because that's how it is, because Jero Evero is putting these guys in great positions and George Payton is giving him the personnel to excel and, and make this defense one of the top defenses in the league. And listen, we got Justin Simmons and having Caden Stearns and P.J. Lott. There are not too many teams that say that they have guys of that caliber. So the future looks bright for this Broncos team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They just need to pull and slowly pull along the offense at the same time. Yeah, I, I think that um, that's going to be the strength of this team all year, right? I, I think eventually the offense probably gets it turned around. But when the defense is playing this type of football, it's going to be really tough to score points on them, no matter who they're playing. And, and I know that they play some really good offenses this year, uh, but the way that they they swarmed to the ball last night, I, I thought was super impressive. Um, Nick, before we get out of here, I'm going to put you on the spot. And I, I want to ask you, and maybe we could do this every week as well. Give me uh, your, your, your MVP on the defense and the offense. Give me an MVP on both sides of the ball. And maybe even special teams, because we haven't even hit on special teams. But Corliss Waitman deserves yeah. a game ball. He, he, I think it was, I, I put it out there, seven of uh, the 49ers' 14 drives were inside their own 15-yard line. Three were inside their own 10, two were inside their own five. So he deserves a game ball as well. Yeah, he deserves a game ball. But uh, I'm going to give one to uh, the special teams coach, Dwayne Stukes, right, because he's part of that unit as well. Uh, he deserves a game ball. So my, my office of – Game ball of the week goes to Cortland Sutton. Obviously, like eight or nine targets, 97 yards. Uh, didn't find the, the end zone, but, I mean, becomes a great outlet for Russell Wilson. But uh, on the defensive side of the ball, man, you know, my game ball goes to, you know, an entire defense, man. Those guys showed up. Every time uh, someone had a great play, they rallied to get there and make a tackle. I mean, yeah, there was some leaky coverage here and there, but for the most part, they did their job and helped the Broncos win the, uh, the second game of the season. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, special teams, like you said, Dwayne Stukes definitely deserves one. Uh, Corliss Waitman, like I said, I thought he was fantastic. You now understand why they ended up choosing him, um, you know, maybe over Sam Martin, who again is a great punter, but you can see the faith that they have in him to, to obviously pin teams deep. He had some great punts. Um, offensively, I think Cortland Sutton, should get one, but just to be different than you, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give one to Russell Wilson. And I know he wasn't sharp at times, and it looked really bad, uh, and he was being booed even at times. But when it mattered, uh, he came up clutch, right? And that's what you want from your quarterback. And when was the last time the Broncos had a quarterback that you said, hey, we need one drive uh, to win this football game, and, and we need you to lead it? When was the last time the Broncos had that guy? Peyton Manning, Peyton right? Manning. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that that's one positive that you can look at from this offense is they do have a guy that can lead you on a drive when you absolutely need it. So I think he gets a game ball. And then on defense, you're right. Everyone deserves one. Uh, but again, to be uh, opposite of you, Nick, I'm going to give one. Yeah, just because, just because, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to give one to Josie Jewell, right? Okay. Uh, he's a guy that I think a lot of fans – maybe underappreciated. I, I know he didn't play last year uh, with the torn pec, and a lot of people were kind of scratched their head when they brought him back. Why didn't you go out and get a different inside linebacker, go get 
you know, one of the studs that's out there on free agency or draft a guy. Uh, and they stuck with Josie, right? They brought him back. Uh, they believed in him. Uh, he has the calf injury. A lot of people are like, oh, man, here we go again. Josie's not going to be able to play. Comes back, plays with his hair on fire, uh, running around, making plays. I thought he looked fantastic. Uh, and Jonas Griffith said it after the game that, you know, he's a guy that everybody just feels comfortable playing with. And I think that's super important on the defensive side of the ball, the communication, right, Nick? We talked about that. That hasn't been there at, at all times, right? You bring back a guy like Josie who has played a lot of football and is specifically with this team, with these guys. I think that he was a huge help for this defense this week. Well, you know what, just, uh, just to follow uh, your suit, I'm going to uh, go opposite you and give a game ball to uh, the field crew, right? It's Sunday night football. They had that field out there in the power field looking spectacular, so much so that I want to get back on the field myself. But I only did that just to be opposite you, George. Just, I just wanted to. <laughs> you, you started that trend, so I had to throw something else out there. I was sitting, I was thinking, I was like, hmm, what else can I throw out there? Hey, let's acknowledge the field crew. So big shout outs to the field crew at uh, Empire Field. Yeah, and and I think too the the uh, the crowd, right? Yeah. Like I thought the crowd, uh, Nick. I, I I don't think you were at the game, right? No, but it, the crowd was was into it. I, I, again, they let them hear it with the booze. <laughs> the offense had to sit through that again, but I thought the crowd was really into it. And even Russell said after the game that was a playoff atmosphere, right? Uh, that was a that was an electric atmosphere. You could tell uh, the fans were living and dying by every play. Uh, and they played a huge factor there at the end. Uh, obviously, you know, the 49ers, I, I think, struggled a little bit with getting the play calls in. Um, you know, Jimmy felt like he was being pressured from all sides. So, you know, shout out to the crowd as well. I think that they were big. And, and Nick, I can't remember, when was the last time that Denver hosted a, a, a Sunday night football game? I think it's been like maybe five or six years. I, I would have to look that up. But I, I can't remember the last time they played Sunday night football at Empower Field. It's been a while, but big shout out to the crowd. It was almost like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. And what I mean by that, because the movie, his movie takes you through these ebbs and flows, there's highs and there's lows. There were boos and there were cheers, but when the uh, defense and offense needed them the most, the fan base definitely showed up. Hopefully this is a sign of things to come. Yeah, and, and I think it is. Um, and it's I think they're back home. Is it Thursday night football against the Colts? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, after they head to Las Vegas this week. So we'll dive into um, the Raiders, obviously, later this week uh, in, in the later pod. And, and, and the next pod, Nick, we'll, we'll dive into um, a little bit more about what we saw from this game. I know we both kind of rewatch the games and, and see what we see that we that maybe we missed. You know, I joked with some people I may not rewatch this game because it was so boring. Maybe I'll just rewatch <laughs> the fourth quarter um, because that was the only exciting part. Right. Right. Um, but Nick, what do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I mean, listen, man, uh, there's a lot of things to hit on later on in the week. We're going to talk about the defense. We're going to talk about special teams and break that down because I think, uh, you know, some other guys perform well on that defense that we need to make sure we highlight and spotlight, you know, what they brought individually. So we'll get into that later on in the week. But a Broncos win, celebrate Broncos country, but there's still more for the team to do. Right, Nick. We didn't even mention Pat Sertan, who uh, didn't even allow a catch on six targets. I mean, the the, the kid's incredible, right? I mean, I I, I think he's going to be an All Pro. I really do. Um, he he's just phenomenal. So we'll dive into more of those guys. Um, uh, there's several others that are, are popping in my head, but I'll, I'll save it for the next pod. But thanks everyone who listens. 
Uh, like Nick said, celebrate the win because it is a win, uh, no matter if it's only by one point. Uh, celebrate it. And thanks for everybody who's been listening. Subscribe, like the podcast, uh, tweet at us, hashtag oh really, uh, for our new segment. Um, and thanks again to everybody who's listened to Touchdown Denver.